Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 245. And this will be the sixth in a series of uh, puppy uh, podcasts that I'm given. And today's is going to be uh, a discussion of something that you don't hear about a whole lot with this. So we've talked about uh, how to look at them, how to, how to approach these guys, how to prevent bad habits, how to teach them what their job is uh, in the world, assuming that they'd like it. And last week was an introduction to birds, you know, or, which is, you know, there's, that's not a hard and fast rule thing, nor is it uh, try to make them be like a big dog. Because again, they have no clue what that is. They just none. And there's so many little pieces to it for them over time. So it's something that you do and, you know, you introduce them. And it's not like once you've introduced them, now they got it. You know, again, they may have absolutely grasped nothing <laughs> in the first, or they may have just been amazing. But they have to continue to be exposed to those things so that they begin to learn how to use their senses and their thinking and how things are different and what, the, you know, the external environment is such a big deal to them. We don't give it a lot of thought because we just sort of walk over it. But they exist within it and take their information from that. So that all takes some time. So for the retriever, people listening to this, we are, list, we are retrieving uh, with if the dog has the interest every day, you know, and maybe two, three, four times at most so that they are all, you leave them wanting more, which is how you continue to enhance and build the passion that you're going to need uh, later on. You do not want and i'm going to state this again i've stated it a lot you don't want to overdo it retrieving is not where they should get the the majority of their exercise retrieving is in and of itself their purpose and you want to make sure that they get a real understanding of the mechanics of that that they wait that they go to the area of the fall that they diligently hunt it up and then they come back and it you you increase the challenge as they get bigger and better and more experienced at what they do but you don't do more of it so that they run a whole lot do a bunch of wind sprints and then you can call it good because now we got the kind of wild chaotic thinking which will come in later on to haunt you why is my dog doing this why is he he's not like the you know why is he running wild or doing flybys behind me and all that it's because he learned that so it just do what needs to be two, three or four. You know, you got a real hard charging dog. You can do that twice a day if you want to, you know, on the walk and, and maybe one other time on something else. But don't tie it in with other stuff. If you do it on the walk, do it, you know, get out to a nice space, nobody else around, good place to do some retrieves, do it there. Put the bumper away, done, um, even though they may obsess about it, you know, which is not a bad thing. Uh, and then... Uh, finish your walk. Make sure the retrieving is a standalone activity because you want to get all the benefits of their increased skill and understanding of that. So you're going to do that. You've got the walk, I hope, I hope. You've got, depending on the, what you need, beginning some the basic obedience with the dog. You know, they do need to be on a leash sometimes. 
if you live in the city and you got to, you know, walk it somewhere to air it, then it's got to be on a leash. If you go into the vet, it's got to be on a leash. So as soon as the dog is mature enough and physically mature enough to understand how to do that, then you want to do associate the leash. You don't start with a choke chain on those little bitty kind of fragile necks. But when the dog gets big enough and strong enough, I would get rid of the flat collar. That's me now because that just is basically teaching them to pull because there's no consequence in pulling. Just like a harness, there's no consequence in pulling. You disperse the stress a little bit over a larger area and it's a little bit easier. You have more bodily contact so you can steer the boat a little more, but none of that's teaching the dog to take the responsibility to walk with you on its own, which is why I always go, not a prong collar. I don't want to have pain I don't need that, but I'm going to use a large linked one that can't do damage choke chain on them. So there's a consequence when they pull and I can teach them don't do that. Okay, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother deal. So that goes on when the dog is ready. Now there's a thing that happens, and this is what I said, you don't really hear get talked about a whole lot. There is a thing that happens in the puppies and it happens between you know, it depends but like three and four months five months six months so you've been on all the puppy excitement you've done all the stuff you're supposed to do they're not old enough to be electric collar trained they're not old enough to be force fetched maybe don't have their you know they don't have all their adult teeth nor the mental maturity to understand more technical training you know you can't you can't just really make them be super great at obedience right now because they're kind of little puppy knuckleheads. And, and so it's frustrating. So people try to, you know, they start teaching for the pointing guys. You know, well, let's, let's wool break them. And the, again, no. <laughs> you Can you introduce it and make it a thing that you are acquainting them with and familiarizing them with? Yes. Can you actually use it and make it count? No. So if you practice something that you can't truly make them take seriously, you ha if you're doing it a little crazy, then you're going to teach them to ignore woe or ignore sit or, what, or ignore fetch or whatever you're saying. So you have to be careful. And I have found over the years with some dogs, you know, I, I can do the acquaintance thing. I can teach them the woe means stand and, and they really get it. I don't use it in the field because I can't enforce it. But I do, I can do that. Others, man, they just, it's like I'm talking in Egyptian to them and they really don't understand. So you have to take a little bit of a reading on your dog. But there's this tough stage between all the fun part where everything is new and you teach them stuff and they retrieve and you got them coming back to you mostly and they hold on to it and they get in the water for you and they go out and go nuts over birds in the upland field and it's like, okay, now what? What's next? And we're in the maybe not that much stage right now with that. Maybe not that much. The retrieving you can always build upon. You don't ever want to just stay on the same old hand thrown, goes out there 50 feet or half 60 feet, whatever you throw. And we do a couple at the ballpark and then we come home. All right, your dog is just practicing spelling the same words all the time, right? And so they're not learning any new stuff. And one, that is not terribly productive for you. And two, uh, 
teaches them not to learn anything. Teaches them doesn't they don't get to be challenged. They don't have to figure stuff out. They don't have to have some new element brought in where they're like, "Whoa, I'm not sure about this." And then they have to work it out. So on your retreats, through all of this kind of difficult time when they're old enough to do stuff but not old enough to be more formally trained, you can always use your uh, retrieves and the challenge and the elements that are in them to make that something that is pushing their boundaries a little bit, challenging them, interesting to them, fun for them, new for them. That's important. The other thing you can do is on your obedience over these kind of weird months that are hard to know exactly what to do without ever decreasing your dog's desire to uh, retrieve and also the associated desire to go look for birds, start cranking down a little bit on your obedience. And I don't mean by putting an electric collar on and jamming here down their throats. You know, be a little bit better trainer than having to just hurt them to get them to do something. Figure it out. This is a great time for you to figure out both yourself and your and your dog. So, but you can use the obedience. They can walk at your side, at your pace. Teach them as much as they can learn to, for them to take more responsibility for walking with you. Not you just having them like you're steering a big old boat. Right, which is what most people do, and the dog's just pulling and tugging all over the place. When you let a young dog do that, or frankly any dog, you are teaching them this is what we do. You just go as far as you can, just pull wherever you want to the length of my arm and the leash, and you know later when I need you by my side, I'll get you back over here. So you're teaching them that's what we do. So everybody that, uh, you know, and I've just seen this a gazillion times when they're going, I need a little help with my dog. And the dog is hyperextending their arm, right, and just going all over. And then they let it come and jump on me. It's like, you know, don't let your dog think that they can just go assault other people. Teach them this right off. That's one of the purposes of the leash. When you're out with your dog, the dog is with you, period, period. That's it. And if they see other dogs rumbling around doing something, that's nice. That's the other dogs. Just like when you're out doing something, other dogs need to leave you alone as well. So you teach those kind of things right now. Now, I, I, this is my opinion. I know there are people who really do not see it this way, and that's fine. But I don't take, whenever I've had a young dog, I don't care whether it's eight weeks or five months, I don't bring them out and set them down and let them watch other dogs work. I don't, I never do that. Like, never. And I know a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of the upland breeds, you know, they go, well, let them go out with the other dogs and then they'll learn how to do this. Or let them, you know, run out there with the dog retrieving and then they'll learn to <laughs> retrieve. And, you know, occasionally that works. Mostly what it does is teach the dog that they are more of a spectator and that they watch dogs do this. And sometimes you can go get in the middle of it or grab something out of their mouth or go, you know, hamstring them or do these things. They're learning stuff you don't want them to learn. They're not sitting there like you might and go, ah, look at that. They sit there and then they run out to where that thing fell and then they run right back. Maybe I should do that. That's not really how their mind works. 
they're just sitting there going, oh, man, I gotta, let me chase that dog. That looks like fun. Oh, and then I, we can play tug of war and run around and grab. And they're, they're not learning what you think. It just makes you feel like, you know, you're being a real good dog parent. But instead, you go watch other dogs <laughs> work and you learn and see what's going on and what the test is and then get your dog out. And accomplish what needs to be accomplished there, and that is getting a little better at the retrieving or a little better at the bird search, whatever it is. But you you start to make sure that those things are happening instead of, you know, trying to push ahead. Well, it, it's kind of almost boring sometimes for people because the dog's a little too young for the formal stuff and a little too old for the cute puppy stuff. And so uh, what do we do? So usually people either just let them be puppies, which means teach them to be thoughtless, wild and crazy, unfocused, you know, not purpose-driven kind of dogs. Or they, you know, they're going to get at it early. And I've seen it a lot. And they, Well, we're going to get this here thing because I can't. So they put a little collar on and tickle, air quotes, tickle the dog to come back. Um, man, I just really do not like that. It, I'm just going to hurt you a little bit till you finally respond to me. Not really the kind of relationship I would like to have with a dog. But you go out there and kind of earn, work on some the basic responses. Heal and sit here. Teach the little guy as much as they are capable of taking the responsibility for doing the work that you're asking. And if you don't know how to do that, if that doesn't make sense to you, then when you're working with a little dog, just just think about it. So one of the things that I always do, I don't know if it's good or bad, but whenever I have new people, you know, that have a new dog and they're new to this stuff and they're out of the training session, I always have them come watch and either go out in the upland field, particularly there, I like that, or on marks, I have them watch the dogs that are well-trained and well-handled. And it's not because I'm going, look, at this could be you. What I'm trying to do when I do that, and this is something for people to do, you know, in your training sessions, watch how much responsibility the dog takes for doing the work. Just, just watch that. In the upland field, you know, and I just love with some of the dogs we have here in Colorado. People go, we go out in the upland field, and then the handler says nothing. There's no talk. There's no whistles. There's no screaming. There's no electric collar smashing. There's none of that. They're walking out, heading south down the, out the field, and the dog is heading south in the field using the wind, crosswind to gather data, regardless of the, how the, they're not quartering in front of them. They are using the wind, whatever the direction is, and staying within gun range of the person, all without being told. And if the person changes direction and moves a little bit over to the east then, so does the dog, without being told. How does that work? It's, I mean, it just looks amazing. And all it is is that they taught the dog way early on, it's your responsibility to know where I am and to know where we're going and at the same time to use the wind. Now, they don't start out doing that, but if you consistently begin to teach them when they're young how to take responsibility for things, then you have that. And then when the, uh, for the pointing guys that go on point, nobody has to yell, whoa. Nobody has to run up next to them. 
you don't have to go stand next to them at all because they're on point and they're supposed to stay there. And then when the bird gets shot and dropped, they're, wait, they're waiting to be sent. So the only word the person really ever has to say is the dog's name to send them on the retrieve. I, and I'm not, I want them to see, look at the dog is doing its job really well without being told, without being corrected, without being reeled in. And that kind of thing can start right in that in the puppy times and then that kind of interim thing where they're a little too young and a little too old and you're not sure what to do is begin to figure a way to do that when you talk come to the retrieves right it's same thing you watch a dog that knows what its job is it walks up with the handler sits down facing the direction the handler's facing because that cues them they already know what direction the action's going to happen just because of basic obedience right? You can teach that to a little guy. We walk up, we're fa facing straight out front. That's where the action is. That's where the dog faces. Then it sits. Doesn't have to be told to sit. Doesn't have to be reminded to be sit. Doesn't have to be held on to. Now this is an already trained dog, right? And then when a mark or two or three, whatever, go down, it sits and watches. It just watches see, to see where the area of the fall is. And then it waits to be sent. It's sent. It goes to the best of its ability to the area of the fall, hunts in that area, noodles it out, I always say. In other words, if they don't come right up with it, then they take a little bit bigger pieces of the wind, a little bit bigger loop. They use the cues that they've learned to locate the bird. And when they get it, they come straight back, heel in, sit down, and hold on to the bird. It, nobody's having to tell them to do this. No one's having to correct because they know what their job is. So that, <laughs> and then, okay, then when they, you don't put a leash on them and you're done and you walk over to honor, which is watch the work of another dog, they walk over and sit down. Now they would rather go do it all again than watch, but they know they have to watch. So you just tell them whatever your cue is, you know, okay, that they're, this isn't your deal, you're done. I try to show people that. It's like, see how the dog is doing its job? And because it's well-trained and well-handled, you don't have to do a lot right now. Of course, you've got to stay pretty aware. But So that's what you can begin to teach and grow and become aware of yourself instead of doing all the work for the dog. I don't know how many times I've seen. I would say 90% of the time when I'm out watching judging and in other places, you know, and, and people are doing upland, upland birds, and they, they're out there heating them over here, letting them get too far in competition. Not a good idea. Hunting, do whatever you want. They let them get out too far where, you know, a bird could be a wild bump. You could have, you know, be hurting yourself by the dog running a little bit too free. And then they're whistling them and yelling for them to get in. And then when the dog goes on point, they do one of two things. They freeze because if you move, the dog will move. Or they go running up next to a, we're going to run a mark position and stand right next to the dog. Because I guess if they're not next to the dog, it'll do something. I'm not sure. And they're studying it and talking to it and telling it what to do. And, <laughs> and then, you know, the whole thing, it's just kind of like a constant, somebody trying to hang onto the saddle of a bucking bronc. It's just, it's just crazy. Instead of teaching them, you go do your job, man. 
I don't have to stand next to you. I don't have to tell you what to do. And that starts early. And it's an attitude and it's an approach. And again, I'm going to use my kid analogy here, but it's just like if you have kids. If you do check their homework for them all the time, if you fix them um, everything they need, you do their laundry, you just do everything for them, you know, that's nice. But then they never know how to check their own homework. They never know how to take full responsibility for the grade they get in class or for getting themselves to soccer practice or for you know, doing the right thing when it might be easier to not do the right thing. That's something that you want to teach kids. And dogs are real easy because they don't overthink stuff. So that would be a very good thing to do um, is use that interim kind of, what am I supposed to do now? Because I can't, he's too young and he's for this and he's too old for that. Is begin for you and your dog to learn how to pass responsibility on to the dog. Now, little guy, you can't do all that stuff yet, but you can in terms of retrieving. Hey, go out, look for it, come back. Oh, it's the only thing we're going to do. And coming back isn't going to be a flyby where I'm running around chasing you, standing on my head, trying to get you to do stuff. But just get on back here. We got the retrieving is the fun thing, not me chasing you around. And on the leash, teach them that they need to not they need to find out where you are and what speed you're walking and what direction and then they need to do that and they need to do that and if they ignore it they aren't allowed to ignore it and you reel them right back in with a little obedience enforcement saying we're going to do this together so through the whole interim period of not little tiny puppies anymore and not ready for the hard formal stuff it's a real good time to begin to get a little bit better of a dog trainer and understand your dog and teach the so, so important aspect of dog, it's your responsibility to do your job and I will do mine. So I don't, you know, I don't know if that always makes sense to people. I certainly hope so. But that is such an important part of uh, the upbringing of a puppy. That's when you have one of those ones you don't have to always be getting after all the time and yelling at them and using all kinds of electricity and things because they don't really believe they have to pay too much attention to you get a dog that is on you guys are like the same team right <laughs> you guys are on the same side of the tennis court going for the same thing and this is where you start all that so that's today's a little bit shorter but a very important topic I hope that's helpful. At least give it a little bit of thought. Because once you get a dog that takes the responsibility for itself, it's like having a kid that does that. That's pretty nice. <laughs> you don't have to just ride them all the time because they know what they're supposed to be doing. So that's today's. I wish everybody well. It's springtime. Thank goodness, even though I guess we got snow coming tomorrow. But it's not, someday it'll be no more snow. Uh, I wish everybody the best. I hope this puppy thing is helping at least a few of you. And uh, I will be back next week.